And welcome back to Psychedelic Therapy Frontiers, the podcast devoted to exploring the frontiers of psychedelic medicine and what it takes to cultivate a healthy mind, body, and spirit. I'm Dr. Steve Thayer, and today my co-host, Dr. Reed Robison, and I are joined by Dimitri Vallejos. Dimitri has dedicated his life to helping people find optimal wellness and productivity by remembering a long-forgotten truth that we are all gods. He has experience and skill with plant medicine, meditation, psychedelic integration, astrology, and something he calls quantum bionetic coaching. So I got to warn you folks, Dimitri's esoteric knowledge runs deep. There might be moments in today's episode where you think, uh, what the hell is this guy talking about? I tried to act as a stand-in for those of you who might have that reaction and asked some probing questions, but uh, I invite you to please have an open mind today for this episode and listen all the way through. You won't regret it. Uh, or you might. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to tell you how to feel. Thanks to all of you who have left us reviews and rated the show on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Please share this episode with a friend that you think needs to hear it, or an enemy, um, or somebody you're ambivalent about. I, I don't care. I'll, I'll trust your judgment. If you want to learn more about Dimitri's work, you can go to rawdimension.com. That's R-A-W-D-I-M-E-N-S-I-O-N.com. Without further ado, here is our conversation with Dimitri Vallejos. We are back here on Psychedelic Therapy Frontiers. Hello, Reed. Hello. Thank You've you. got your radio voices Hello, uh, blossoming. Yeah, I'm doing my best. <laughs> I'm doing my best to sound uh, entertaining, energetic, because my whole life I've been given the feedback that I sound really bored when I answer the phone. It's it two bored podcasters. <laughs> tired and bored. So this is me at uh, Amped Up Energy. We are joined today by our guest, Dimitri Vallejos. Hello. Um, appreciate you joining us today. Uh, I was going to say introduce yourself, which I would like you to do, but um, I'm wondering if maybe you could introduce yourself by telling us your story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, where to begin, right? Like, I mean, the, the, the podcast is Psychedelic Frontiers, right? Podcast. Psychedelic Therapy Frontiers. Psych psychedelic Therapy yeah. Frontiers. Um, Which means everything, anything we want to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot that I've experienced in my experience with psychedelics and, um, you know, just plant medicine in general. But uh, my story is, I think, it, it comes together on many different levels of, of what I would consider to be consciousness. Like, um, there's my human experience that I have as being Dimitri. Uh, and then there is, I think the experience that I have is just being consciousness, right. And like recognizing mm -hmm. the self, um, in the mirror that is, uh, the other, you, like you read, you know, uh, you, Steve, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, just, um, as, as you know, this experience orchestrates itself. Um, I think a lot of my, you know, my story is based in just a regular normal, like childhood also, you know, but it then opens up to my, um, you know, my, ex my experiences with psychedelics at an early age that I think, um, catalyzed a lot of my personal seeking and personal efforts into understanding myself, understanding the world, understanding my conscious experience, mm -hmm. um, my emotions. Um, and then, you know, what I would even go as far as saying is like the way that I work personally, right? Like the, the script or the, like the, 
appropriate. The role that is Dimitri, yeah. right? The character that is Dimitri. That um, that I mean, I think I think uh, even Jim Carrey would probably have something to say about that, you know, and and ha his experience of playing all the different characters that he's played, and and understanding that you know he's just given this role as being Jim Carrey, and that's that's who people know him as. Right. And the experience that I've had throughout my life and throughout, um, you know, adolescence, teenage, like my teenage years growing into my 20s. I'm now, you know, on the the uh, like the, like the beginning end of my 30s. I'll be 31 this year. This body will be 31. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, like my story, my experience in life, it, it's uh, it's very uh, serendipitous. I feel like it's always been guided. Uh, it's something that, you know, when, when one slows down enough, I think we're able to like really listen to who we are. There's a pulse that happens within us. And, uh, I've always been aware of that pulse. I've mm -hmm. always been aware of that guidance or that inner uh, intuition that, you know, that, uh, that has always been there for me. And, and, and oftentimes as a kid or like in, like a teenager, <laughs> I found myself, uh, working with plant medicines and psychedelics, you know, specifically mushrooms and LSD. And, um, but it was never with this like recreational off-putting hinge. Like it was this, like, I, I recognized the experience, um, and pursued it more or frequently in order to understand myself around those, those aspects of my being as I grew up. I mean, the first time that I experienced, um, you know, I think psilocybin mushrooms, I think I was 15 or 16. Mm. Um, and it was one of those things that, uh, was very eye opening. you know, to have, uh, the inner visions that occurred. And I mean, we, we sat and laid on a pool table and listened to lateralis, the tool album for, mm -hmm you know, upwards of four hours <laughs> and the inner visions that came out of that were, uh, you know, if you've ever seen like the out, like the album cover of, of tool lateralis, um, you know, it has like the Alex gray paintings and stuff mm -hmm. all throughout it. And it's like kind of an interactive like booklet and mm -hmm. stuff really, really fascinating. Um, but like you see this, uh, like the four faced figure that Alex gray has drawn, you know, in, or, or painted. And it's like the multicolored faceted, the multi-faced, um, you know, Damon or whatever you want to call it. And that was what I had initially seen in my inner world. And then, you know, things would begin to transition. And, um, you know, as I explored my own psychedelic or entheogenic use, um, I became more fascinated with health and wellness, like in my twenties, um, as I emerged from, I think the existential crisis of my teens mm. <laughs> and, you know, kind of began to like really ground myself in this human experience and recognize that there's actually a lot that's here and that I'm emo I have lots of emotions that need to be processed. Like, um, you know, I mean, I would say normal childhood, you know, like I think just about anywhere aside from Utah, I mean, maybe here in Utah, it happens often, but you know, when, when parents get divorced, Sometimes like kids get in the middle of it, mm -hmm. they feel responsible, right? There's all kinds of stuff that comes up in that space. And so, you know, when my, when my mom and my stepdad decided to, you know, go their separate ways, like, uh, there was a lot of, you know, fighting and arguing and things that would go on and I would get in the middle of it sometimes. And that just kind of like perpetuated negative catalyst within my, like within my relationships with my mom and my dad and, uh, or stepdad at the time. And, um, yeah, you know, so it, like it, it became apparent that I had a lot of baggage, you know, mm -hmm. that I was holding mm -hmm. on to. And 
um, had found, you know, my, my own comfort or like, uh, like balance, stability in, in using psychedelics, uh, specifically LSD at the time and um, a couple of occasions with, uh, with MDMA um, where there were very, you know, catalytic events that happened during those journeys that assisted me with, with healing. Um, but they were more than just like, it was more than just the healing aspect of it. It was like a recognition of like the deeper mm-hmm. level of consciousness that we all experience and that we all share this like infinite unity or this connectedness, this oneness. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, let me, let me interrupt. Cause I think, yeah. uh, that's something I really want to explore with you as I'm hearing you talk about your story mm-hmm. and thank you for being willing to open up so much. I really yeah. appreciate it. Um, it's, I'm, I'm detecting that you have learned some things about consciousness, about your consciousness, um, about consciousness in general, the concept or the experience of consciousness that I'd like to learn about. Sure. Could you riff on consciousness for oh, a man. bit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, it just is, we just are mm. right. Like, um, there is what I would call, um, the great pralaya. Um, this is known as the universal breath Mm. in, um, in many of the occult teachings. Um, consciousness is something that is, um, the byproduct, I would say of the self, um, in understanding that there is, um, you know, there are elements to our world, uh, to our universe, um, you know, fire, earth, air, water, um, some would even go as far as saying there's a fifth element, a quintessential element, ether or aether, right? Mm. Um, consciousness is what I would call nous, N-O-U-S, right? Nous is this intelligence that exists in all things. Um, it exists in the water, it exists in the air, it exists in the rocks, the stones, the earth, Uh, It exists in the fire, right? And um, it is what propels us. So consciousness is, to me, um, it's an awareness, right? It's like, um, it's the moment. Like, uh, it's happening in this moment, like, synonymously, serendipitously with the question that you asked me. Um, I would, I would, you know, ask your, your listeners and you to consider for a moment, like, um, where does your skin end and the air begin? Mm. Where does the air end and my skin begin? Right. So what I'm, you know, spawning or, or inviting your consciousness and your awareness into is to try to palpate the fabric of space time, right. Understanding that there's no separation between you and I, right. But the conscious experience is personified. It's um, self-intuited. Um, it's self-organized. But there is a nature about it that creates this interconnectedness um, in which we share the moment and the catalyst that occurs so long as one is paying attention and has the intention to give and receive, right? So in this, this conscious experience, we are sharing, we are exchanging energy. Um, I, I mean, I would, I would go as far as, you know, we are utilizing telepathy 
Um, but it is in the form of me exhaling air and that air being vibrated along my vocal cords that is transmitting a vibration to you that you are able to pick up and receive, mm. right? Everything is energy. Everything uh. is energy. It is all vibration. Where does the word noose come from? Do you know? It strikes me because mm. in French it means we. Mm. Uh, that's fascinating that it, that it means we in French. Um, noose, I want to say, is an original Latin word. Mm-hmm. Um, it, is, uh, the, it is found originally in the Corpus Hermeticum, as far as, I, okay. as, far as dating back as far as I can find. Um, the Corpus Hermeticum being a body of text that is related to the Hermetic lineage. Mm-hmm. Could you explain that a little bit? I find it fascinating, the whole Hermetic lineage um, and principles, concepts, mm-hmm. but maybe just a, an overview for people yeah. listening. Uh, I mean, there are uh, seven principles uh, within the Hermetic lineage. Um, to list them off the top of my head. Um, putting you on the spot. <laughs> putting you on the spot. Um, I mean, there's there are there's the the principle of, of vibration. Um, there is the principle of rhythm. There is the principle of correspondence. Um, the principle of gender, um, like polarities, is polarities, that, yeah. um, you know, and, and not to, not to go into each of them, but as it's just kind of like a brief overview, um, these, these principles are founded, I would say in, um, some of the most ancient, uh, practices or lineages that one, you know, can find in, in, in history. I mean, um, some would say that the Corpus Hermeticum predates a lot of Moses's writings and things, mm. right? And so uh, even dates back into ancient Egyptian theology and things and the connection that is drawn between Hermes Trismegistus and Thoth the Atlantean and understanding the story that is held with Thoth, with, with Thoth the Atlantean being the original scribe of language um, and... Mm-hmm talking about um, like the wisdom, like, like thought the Atlantean, Atlantean or, or the would be considered like the wisdom keeper of our universe, right? Like, and throughout history, um, there have been several, I guess, lines drawn between Mercury, uh, like the Greek god Mercury, um, Hermes Trismegistus, um, and then like Thoth the Atlantean. And, and when you, when one translates, you know, Hermes Trismegistus, it is Hermes the thrice great or Hermes the thrice bo- like born, uh, Hermes the, like mm-hmm. the, the thrice intelligent, um, depending upon the translation. But, um, the Hermetic lineage is one of these, um, practices, um, that, that connects very deeply into, um, what I would consider to be reality creation, like creating our reality as we speak. Like when you really like look at the, the principles that are held within this, this teaching, it teaches that like they're initiates to work with the elements, to work with nature, to work alchemy without, Yeah. yeah, like alchemy. I mean, Alchemy originally was something that was paired very heavily with astrology, mm-hmm. right? And like um, this word noose, uh, kind of drawing it back around, is like um, connected into this great intelligence that that exists throughout nature, mm-hmm. um, that exists within 
us as humans. It exists within the air that we're breathing. Like um, it is the creator, right? It is the intelligence that organizes the way that our DNA decides to promulgate the proteins in our bodies to develop our bodies, right? The great um, mystery. Yeah, like, I mean, it would be considered like the great mystery. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, noose is this this all-encompassing intelligent energy that that is within everything so cool this non-dual um we are everything everything is us experience is a common one for people on who you know a common experience people have uh under the influence of psychedelics and it's not just psychedelics but it is you know people can have this experience while meditating or during sex Mm -hmm. or uh, during extreme physical exertion or an ice bath, right? There's a lot of different spinning around, right? There's a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. breath work. Um, but it's interesting that it's so common when we use psychedelics. Um, and it makes me wonder why, you know, certainly there are neurological reasons why we can get down to the nitty gritty physical science, what happens in the brain that produces such an experience, parts of the brain communicating that don't normally communicate, um, less activity in certain parts of the brain that are often very active and dominant. I mean, transmitters. Why? Yeah. Why does it occur or what's its purpose? Both. Like, why is it a component of the mystical experience that we, we look for and assess for and like want people to have, like mm-hmm. connecting to something greater than themselves, mm-hmm. getting out of that individual I ego space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of draws back to that, that that question that I asked you earlier, you know, like where does your skin end and the air begin and mm-hmm. mine begin, right? Like um, there's this conscious experience that we have and that we seek individually for the self. Um, and, you know, one can go very far into that, you know. I mean, we see figures like Elon Musk, right? Like or um, the Dalai Lama, right? Like these people are having their own personalized experience, but they have such a powerful catalytic experience on the rest of the world that, um, that, you know, what I would say is that they are, um, reflections in ways, but like drawing into this, like we are one, we share the same experience thread. I think it's important for one to recognize that like physically there's nothing that separates us. Right. Um, the only thing that separates us, what I would, I would consider to be conscious aspects of the being like fears, egos, beliefs, desires, these types of things, like the way that we love, why we love, um, maybe different like physical manifestations within the body, you know, illnesses, ailments, um, different neuronal path, like passageways or pathways. Um, but overall we're made up of the same stuff, right? So I think that when it comes down to, um, you know, this experience of, of seeing the self in the self, um, and like in the mirror that is you, right. And, um, I, I get to experience you through like an empathic sense. Um, I'm able to learn more about myself, right. Mm-hmm. Through, through that experience. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it's one of those um, personalized ideologies that I think is important for an individual to choose into themselves because the the experience of dissolution of, of that ego consciousness or that individual perspective is a very powerful experience. I mean, it's, it's for me personally, in, in all the years that I've experienced um, entheogens or psychedelics, um, 
I think I maybe had complete and total ego dissolution like uh, like around five or six times. Um, and it's not something that I like I can consciously seek after like give me the goods, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, it doesn't happen that way. I think it's something <laughs> that is, that is given like that experience is, is given or provided by the self when the self is ready to dissolve them themselves into that, uh, that we paradigm. Right. And yeah. I mean, this is where I would say that we just experienced the end of Pisces and we're entering into the age of Aquarius and the differentiations that are held between those two spaces energetically are vastly different. I mean, mm. um, Pisces is considered the end of the like astrological wheel, right? Aquarius is considered the beginning in ways. Um, and also is very much bound in that we concept. It's all about everybody in the age of Aquarius, mm -hmm. like making sure that everybody is cared for, everybody is recognized. And, um, you know, like this, this theory of, um, consciousness, I mean, goes back, um, so many thousands of years that, um, you know, you can look at like the Vedic traditions and, and, uh, the stories that they've held around like the different yugas and things and understanding that as, um, you know, we create, we, we complete these cycles, um, in, in our cosmos, uh, we come back deeper into awareness of self, deeper of awareness of the other, and mm -hmm. our consciousness begins to brighten and enlighten and, and, and just naturally it's a, it's a natural process of, of understanding the way that energy or consciousness is distributed throughout the universe. Like, um, I mean, astrobiology, right? Like, uh, or like cos like cosmobiology is like what I would call it is like, um, understanding that like, um, like the planets themselves are individual facets of, uh, of us, um, uh, of our being. I mean, this was like what, like this was part of the original story that was told in, uh, in Grecian like timeframes and understanding like the Pantheon and stuff. Um, Mars being, you know, the, like the war or the God of war and these types of things, Venus being the God of love and attraction, all these things. But the sun, our logos, um, is this being that, that provides all of our consciousness. It projects mm -hmm. this consciousness into the, into the recognition of self that experiences it, itself as human. Um, and it's, it's, it's this individual personalized, very unique consciousness and, um, you know, kind of getting back into, um, I think the understanding of, of self and understanding how these, these, these frameworks are laid out is like, you know, there's the sun that we experience. And then there is the great and central sun that, um, that we, our solar system revolves around. And as we get closer to that great and central sun would be considered like the Kali Yuga, right? Like in this Vedic tradition. And mm -hmm. as we approach the Kali Yuga and, and complete the Kali Yuga, is it that we are, you know, said to, to find more enlightenment or more awareness of self? Uh, and that's, I think, an important, important kind of point to kind of just frame for people is understanding that there are cycles that go on that are much larger than, um, you know, the, the simple hand around yeah. the clock that we experience. Because some would say that we're, the psychedelic renaissance is a result of these greater forces at mm -hmm. play, right? Like the Kali Yuga type cycles. Because yeah. um, we often wonder or talk about, you know, where did it come from? Why is it showing up in this way now? Yeah. But but it is it is fascinating to think about the forces that 
these, uh, you know, the planetary forces at play, the moon, and what it does to the rhythms of our planet, just as an example. Like yeah, I mean, the, the tides. Oceans, yeah, the tides. Yeah, the cycles of all kinds. Um, admissions to psychiatric units, babies oh, yeah. being born. <laughs> yeah, you know. simple neuroses in an individual, I mean, uh, you know, typically coincides with the full moon. Yeah, you know, like, well, the word loony, right, is a yeah. reference to the moon. And astrology yeah. is the original psychology, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. It's, um, it's just fascinating. And that whole concept of as above, so, so below. below. Which is a hermetic her- a hermetic uh, principle as well. Yeah. Yeah, this, um, this understanding of correspondence and understanding that, um, that everything has its, its polarity um, like, uh, and has an equal and opposite reaction. There is the law of cause and effect and, and these types of things that go on within our universe. And as science has progressed, you know, kind of touching on this concept of hermeticism again is like as science has progressed, we start to see in, in like tremendous similarities that, that have been held as tradition within, these, within this lineage for thousands and thousands of years. Um, that represent like very similar pathways as natural physics, uh, like current modern day physics or dipping into the quantum physics, right? Like understanding um, the ability that we each have to uh, influence our world based upon our perception or perceptions, right? And Mm -hmm. I think that this is probably one of the most important teachings that that is held within uh, within our lineage, um, is that we create our own reality. Like, so this is something I want to play around with because okay. <laughs> the, the idea, you know, you mentioned science and I'm a, I'm a social scientist, right? I'm a, mm-hmm. so I'm a clinical psychologist and was trained in all of the very, um, literal ways of the scientific method and took the physics classes, took the chemistry classes. And I think I have a healthy appreciation for what we can, um, explore with the scientific method and what is still inaccessible to us via the scientific method. Um, but I've often thought about this concept of what is real, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And how is it knowable? So ontology mm-hmm. and epistemology. How, mm-hmm. how do we develop knowledge of a thing? How do we detect a thing? And, you know, the modern Western scientific method has granted us a lot of cool things, especially technology. Oh, totally. But it is, it is very much um, a evidence-based and evidence being empirical evidence, something that I can detect with my senses, something I can measure with numbers, Mm -hmm. something I can detect with instruments that are detecting something on the atomic level, right? These are the things I can take literally and say is real. That is until I had a psychedelic experience. And then my, my confidence in what is real and my access to what is real gets shaken, Right. Uh, mm-hmm. We are it, before psychedelics. I'm an atomized being. I am me. Read is read. Dimitri is Dimitri. And we are, we are separate. It's obvious where my skin stops and there begins. <laughs> it's right there, dude. The illusion of separation was so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> it was so obvious. And now, I mean, even in real time, my, the gears of my normally very efficient brain are grinding to a halt. It's like, mm-hmm. wait a second. What is he talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we, we aren't separate we are all one and you're you're saying now you're now you're talking about quantum physics like i don't so understand quantum physics if so i like to put on the science hat and try and keep the mystical one on at the same time it's not easy to do be right a, but a funny hat yeah yeah it's a wizard hat <laughs> yes know? i love that remember when we were talking about uh earlier today with mm-hmm. our colleague friend paul he said something that made me double take he's like you know if you're in a completely non-dual state you can't sense or see your own karma Mm. or just um, 
I just think it's relevant in this idea of where does my skin end and yours begin? Because in between us, I'm made up of these atoms, mm -hmm. right? Uh, electrons whirling around a nucleus. So they're out here too. Mm -hmm. I breathe, I speak. It pushes on you. There's not really a separation. Like there's matter. Everything is energy. Everything's matter. It's vibrating, spinning, string theory, however you want to look at it. Um, I mean, like the air that was in you a moment ago is inside of me now that I'm breathing it, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it, I mean, the oxygen is giving you life also. So is it uh, these, if we go all the way down to this, the, the atomic and subatomic level, again, this is a psychologist talking about physics. I don't know what the hell mm -hmm. I'm talking about, but, you know, we have the, uh, we have molecules impacting one another. Mm -hmm. So we have, you know, there's the particle. Entropy. And then there's the, the wave function. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this is stuff that very few human beings on the planet un understand very well. When I understand, you can understand it from like the quantum physicists level of understanding where they're trying to measure stuff. And then there's lots of theory based on what we detect. Yeah. And then there's people like Joe Dispenza who <laughs> will say that they have this deep understanding of, of how human beings are quantum entities. And we can, you know, the way... Quantum entanglement is described from a theoretical or a laboratory observed state where you have one vibrating molecule on one end of the universe affects the vibration of a molecule on the other end of the universe. Apparently that's a thing. But then somebody like Dispenza might say, well, you know, you can manifest what you want in your life simply by focusing your energy, your cognitive energy. So if I want a Lamborghini, can I manifest it via the techniques taught to me by the, the, the secret, just by like <laughs> hoping for it a lot? This is, this is so my skeptical mind, and I'm sure there are plenty of our listeners who, who can relate to this. It's yeah. like, give me a break, dude. Totally. Because you can't turn the table into a Ferrari. You're frustrated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually don't even want a Ferrari. Maybe I wouldn't a want a Ferrari either. Maybe a Tesla. I, I could take, a, I could take a, like a Model X. That'd yeah, be nice. I have pre-ordered a Cybertruck, but I won't be able there to afford go. it. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to manifest it. Just like camper shell and everything, yeah. go back to the future. Yeah. That was energy in the wrong direction, Steve. The I won't be able to That's afford That's my problem. Oh, this That's is good. Problem. This is good. So, so yeah, I mean, like uh, understanding this concept is something that is, uh, I mean, it, it, it predates Dispenza. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> like it's it's way before him. He's just the YouTube video I saw most recently. Oh, sure. I mean, he's just, <laughs> he's just the current lightning rod that is getting everybody's attention. Because um, he's a good marketer. Yeah. Um, and uh, his retreats are incredibly expensive, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, value-based and all these things, right? Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that um, I would say even goes back into ancient Egypt, mm -hmm. right? Like uh, the use of the pyramids um, and understanding um, what we are, right? Like all we are is vibration. All we are is sound. Um, you know, the the understanding the wave dual or wave particle duality is, um, I would say based upon perception, right? Like whatever you think is in your own reality within your own paradigm, again, ontology, right? Like mm -hmm. how you're framing your own world. Um, and that is the power of the creator. That is the power of the individual. Um, and also what I would go as far as saying is, um, something that has been, um, worked very hard to be hidden from us, um, as far as being, um, you know, creators of our own reality, because if, if, uh, if the world's governments or the people in power today, 
um, really figured that, uh, that everybody deserved that level of empowerment, they would assist in that process, I imagine. Uh, it would be that natural process of compassion and empathy and, and um, giving back reciprocity to the other. Uh, in today's world, we see that very fractured. Um, but the, the concept of this wave, you know, particle duality and understanding how we localize our, you know, our consciousness into the moment um, is what affects, I think, that greater outcome. Um, we are, uh, I think, gods with amnesia. Um, I like, like that. We are, we are a species with amnesia, and this is, this is to kind of build off of what uh, Graham Hancock has said in the past, um, of understanding that, um, like, I mean, even, even in the hermetic teachings, right? Like, it talks about, in the Corpus Hermeticum, it talks about how mankind is uh, the, are, and are the brothers and sisters of gods and goddesses in the flesh, and that the gods envy man and mankind because we are mortal, because we have that finite sense of reality, but we still have the same power as them, but we don't know it. Um, and this yeah. builds upon this concept of how we, like our thoughts hold power. I mean, our thoughts hold electromagnetic frequency and they can be measured, they can be detected. Um, emotions can be detected and can be measured. Um, and, and typically those emotions scale along, you know, a certain wavelength that can, that is, you know, from lower or, um, you know, lower frequency or oscillations to higher frequency and oscillations. Right. And so kind of getting into this electromagnetism conversation of the self, right? Like, um, what is this table made out of? It's 99.99999%, you know, like atoms that are, that are held in that space by what we think and theorize as being the Higgs boson particle, right? That kind of like formalizes it into, into physicality. But we know it as being a table, and so our mind and our, our conjoined conscious experience together creates this shared experience and formulates that as the experience. Um, as the self continues to liberate the self, um, this would be considered like moksha in, in the Vedic mm -hmm. traditions. Um, and, you know, the, the pursuit of, of eternal liberation out of maya, which is like the illusion that the Brahman or the Brahma experiences. The in veil. The, the yeah. veil, right? Of consciousness, of, of remembering or forgetting that, that we experience um, is there as part of this spiritual journey that I think is part of the mystical experience that is uh, elicited from psychedelics mm -hmm. or entheogens, um, depending upon, you know, your, your openness, your level of openness. And it's something that as an individual, I think is critical as a spirit, right? To, as, a, as, a, as an individualized soul of the consciousness that is the all, um, to have that free will, to have that peace that is always made intact and made whole so that they can choose into this reality based upon their own selves, if they're ready or not. What does choose into the reality mean? Mm, I mean, like... Um, to chop wood, carry water mm. after your awakening, perhaps be able to, you know, inhabit this body and be formless um, at the same time, like in the world, not of the world, perhaps. I think your yeah. question is really profound earlier of like, why is an experience of oneness or unity um, a common theme in psychedelics? Or why have um, people through the ages used these practices of altered states mm -hmm. or connecting with the divine 
And I and think, why does it feel so good, right? Why does mm-hmm. it feel so bad when we're separated and so good when we're one? Because that illusion of separation, maya, if you will, in the Vedic terminology, is the root of most of the suffering that's mm-hmm. out there. Like the the reason we suffer is because we think we're individual eyes when we're really part of this sea of divinity, or we forget, or as Alan Watts says it, like we're all just God playing hide and seek mm-hmm. with that quote. him or herself. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what does choosing into the reality look like? Um, it looks like remembering who you are on a daily basis, right? Like, So um, I'm remembering I am a god with amnesia. What do I do with that, right? Like, sure. Because uh, I, I mean, when I think of a god, I think I was, well, I was raised uh, in the LDS church. So I have, I have that sort of that Judeo-Christian programming of what god might okay. be. What would Jesus do? with that yeah like well jesus apparently could turn water to wine so he could do things that aren't i can't do so, so make far. a ferrari if you want he could turn this table into a cyber truck um <laughs> he also came back to life according to just the scriptures too, actually. walked on water huh. right so he did things that, that our superheroes do in our movies nowadays right those are sort sure. of the modern gods that my kids look at and be like oh it would so be cool to fly told. right so, we, so we've been told about christ right but we were also told that christ was a was a white man in that in that story when he's really like a right. like, like a, a super handsome scandinavian looking white yeah, guy. yeah. <laughs> he's definitely not definitely neither not. was mary magdalene but what would what would someone with um the heart of Jesus or Buddha in their heart do? Like mm-hmm. if you remembered yeah. the divine in you. The just golden like, rule. Yeah, what, how would you show up in the world? Like it's like in these contemplative practices, like you go to yoga, it's like namaste, the divine in me sees and honors the divine in you. We show up that way, that's a different way to relate to each other mm-hmm. yeah. beyond the veil of separation, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and, and I think a lot of it's based in the language and the lexicon that we use as individuals, right? Like how we personify and individualize, identify with our experience as humans. Um, it's, it's something that was taken out of our schooling a long time ago um, in order to make us more servient, you know, and, and you can't subservient to sovereign beings very easily. No, you can't. And, yeah. and especially when they're connected into a, like a truth that is so profound that um, it doesn't require um, like, uh, how to say this, like empirical evidence. Right. The because Controlled Substances Act of 1970 suddenly makes of course more it sense. Does. Of course it does. <laughs> but breathwork can elicit the very same release uh, in in your brain as DMT. Right. Right. And 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 I would I would be even venture f- you know further to say that DMT is just about in everything, mm. uh, anything that ha- that is green or is, that is alive to that extent. And our bodies have specific receptor sites that are designed for it, let alone does it cross over the blood-brain barrier. There's not many things that do that. Right. And, and the way that I think that this you know, molecule being DMT affects our, our consciousness and what that connects us into um, is... Is this like? I mean, it's this. I think it's. I think it's the like. It's Ouroboros, right? It's like the snake eating itself. It's that. Mm. It's that end point where it's like coming full circle, and the individual has the moment to say, like, "Wait, hold on a minute. Like, I'm everything. <laughs> like, I. You mean like I shouldn't have been rude to my brother like all those years ago, because of the golden rule, because of what Christ would have done or whatever. You know, like understanding that like when we are gods in this, in this world and, and, and when we do remember our true power, that that power can heal or it can hurt. 
um, based upon our words, our actions, um, and, and, you know, uh, everything that's in between. But the, I think some of these teachings that have been held in, you know, secret schools or secret societies, um, or the occult teachings where they were, you know, told that, uh, that these teachings are of the devil or a satanic or evil Mm -hmm. or whatever. Like psychedelics. (laughs) Yeah. Like psychedelics is all based in that fear-based paradigm. And so when an individual (laughs) extracts themselves out of that fear-based paradigm and begins to truly live in the confines of love or the, like the, what I would call the heart of God, um, or goddess, um, is there, there is a certain sense of, um, divine providence is what I would call it, um, of knowing that you're living in alignment with um, the growth of like the natural growth, the natural emergence of your consciousness, the natural emergence Mm -hmm. of your being, right? And this is like, this is the process of healing and the removal of doubt in the self, right? When, when you encounter this, this moment of like, wow, like such profundity and an awareness of beauty and love and, and grace and sacred authority, and then you begin to remember that every single day, that is the process of choosing into this world or mm. choosing into this reality, right? It, it's, it's grounding your consciousness in a new paradigm and extracting your consciousness out of that fear-based paradigm, that programming that you were given at an early age that, mm-hmm. um, that I mean, like, let's face it, they did the best with, like, with what they had. Right. You know, our parents, that's all we can ever do. And when we realize that, there's a tremendous amount of healing that comes from that. So let me play yeah. with this for a second. Yeah. So if somebody cuts me off and they are God mm-hmm. and I am God mm-hmm. and they are me and I am them, it doesn't make a lot of sense to flip them off. Well, I mean, like uh, traditional Chinese medicine, the, the middle finger is your pericardium, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that pericardium is that protection around your heart, right? And this is what my, this is what my massage therapy, uh, therapy to- uh, teacher and professor told me several years ago. She goes, because it was ex- this exact example. Mm-hmm. She goes, and I flipped that person off. That's me protecting my heart. Yeah. <laughs> and I died laughing. It's, with that. it's like that Zen koan we like to recite of how much ego do you need? Mm-hmm. Just enough so you don't get hit by a bus, mm-hmm. right? Or, yeah. But to answer your question, DMT then is what? Like, uh, for treatment-resistant God amnesia, mm. when needed, like optionally. <laughs> so speaking of God, I, I'm reminded of a, a quote I saw on Instagram posted by Brene Brown. She interviewed Father Richard Rohr. I like that. I saw it I, on yeah, your story. I reposted it on my story. He says, the people who know God well, mystics, hermits, prayer for prayerful people, those who risk everything to find God, always meet a lover, not a dictator. Yeah, so, they see God. Yeah, Dimitri, when you were talking about like the true nature of God. Or, or goddess. Yeah, whatever it is, right? That that thing, that entity, the energy. Noose. Yeah, it's a lover, not a dictator. You see um, the divine in everyone. You recognize it, you remember. Yeah. And when you do that, like where I, where I was going with my examples, like uh, at least uh, when I have felt that way about other people, I don't want to destroy them. I might... I yeah. might still want to protect my heart thing with the bird, like you're. Saying. <laughs> 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 I, uh, I I don't want to destroy them though. Right. Like I'm even I'm even loving them from a from a healthy distance. You flip them off with love. Yeah, which is why if uh, you have amnesia, right? Like because if you did have all that you know power, I mean you'd be the kid with the magnifying glass, man. Mm. We all would be, 
right? So we've got to temper that. And that's what I, what I would venture to say many of these traditions with yoga, with meditation and breath work are surrounding like, um, there's a Taoist master that is long forgotten in many, in many people's worlds and paradigms, um, by the name of John Chang. He's out of the, I want to say the, like Singapore and the Philippines, he, um, like throughout the eighties and stuff. But, um, this man had, had, I had a very deep connection into his meditation practice, uh, of understanding the, um, how to say this, like the, the process of connecting, uh, your like your root um to like your sacral and and understanding that there's a positive and a negative that happens in that space through what what is considered the root lock in many of med- like meditation practices mm-hmm. this is like the perineal muscle mulabandha in yeah. yoga yep and uh and and this this process of locking and, and root locking yourself into the earth is also grounding yourself into the earth and then there's also like the connection into the heavens through traditional Chinese medicine, understanding the like the the meridians that run through your body, mm-hmm. uh, and the ability to press the tongue to the roof of the roof of the mouth, then com- like uh, like completes the circuit, right? And so then there becomes mm-hmm. a lot of breath work that's involved with charging and understanding the movements that take place with your coccyx and your sacrum, your sacrum, and the pumping action that goes throughout your spine with cerebral spinal fluid, and understanding that there's like a piezoelectric effect that. T- that takes place in that. And as that begins to, you know, encompass throughout your whole body, you experience this orbital mechanism that you are charging your body through a natural state of breathing. Hmm. And I mean, like zero point energy, I mean, we can go into all of it, but... um, It's an example of how you can feel that there are ways that bring energy mm -hmm. about inside. There are practices like breath work, cold plunge, things we were talking Mm -hmm. about, or... uh, um, any of these practices, but you can't fully explain it with science. You can start to try, but these traditions like the chakras that we're mm-hmm. talking about with the the bandhas that might be like locks or gates regulating energy flow, um, they're maybe the best language or certain traditions have of explaining it. There's so many different ways of describing it. And then science is here just trying to catch up and playing a very important role. Oh yeah, absolutely, for yeah. everybody. I mean, like, and I would never, ever discredit science. Like, I, I, I love the, like, the, the, like, the two peas to the pod, right? I mean, yeah. the two sides of the same check Checks and balances. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and you know, kind of just circling back around for a moment into this, you know, this conversation of hermeticism, right? Like, understanding the hermetic lineage and, and, and some of these occult teachings that are held within it. Like, um, we understand that there is... Um, and are what we call magnetic and electric fluids in in the universe, right? And I, this isn't to say like like the water that is fluid, right? But um, if you would consider just matter and the fluidity that is held within these these um, you know tubes, if you will, um, the like the body even um, of water, right? A body of water being what it is, um, especially when it's cold, is considered to be a magnetic fluid. It, it, it draws in energies into that magnetic, that cold, right? That potential yin. Um, fire on the opposite is that expansive electric fluid. Um, and, and I mean, you could even liken the, like the fire to being like a plasma type substance, right? And having that like that fifth almost borderline element in there also. Um, but recognizing that there are methods with the consciousness that are taught within, 
um, many of these traditions, the Vedic traditions, yoga, breath work, pranayama breath work, um, like the hermetic lineage in particular that I'm most familiar with, but understanding that, you know, there are processes um, and practices that have been put into place to assist one with achieving these non-dual states without psychedelics just through the breath. Mm right, that elicit very similar responses throughout a, like a person's psyche and understanding that, like understanding the golden rule, how would Christ react, right? Like loving thy neighbor, right? Like because you are them and recognizing like that, that conscious spirit of reciprocity and compassion. So. Yeah, it's like the, uh, it's the world peace solution. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> is. I keep thinking about. Who would have thought that it all comes down to just like, the breath, <laughs> slowing down yeah. and remembering mm-hmm. like uh, the divinity within so we can show up with compassion towards each other because we're all made of the same stuff. Yeah, we're I'm, all one. I mean, and like, like if you go back into history, right, and you look at like the mysteries of Eleusis, right? Like, are you familiar with the mysteries of Eleusis? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So like uh, great book out there written by Brian Murescu. Uh, it's called The Immortality Key for mm-hmm. any of your listeners. If you want to go into one. this really yeah. amazing book, goes into the story of Christ and Christianity and how like uh, essentially Christ was this, um, you know, ceremonial master that worked with many different types of plants, many different types of substances. Um, there are, are depictions on, on uh, vases in the Vatican of him with Dionysus and Demeter, um, these, you know, Grecan goddesses that were of um, what's agriculture and um, what's the other one? So I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, um, I can't remember the, like the other one, but um very specifically where mm-hmm. some of these vases, when you scrape the bottoms of them out and you do um, like spectron mic- like microscopic uh, testing and, and um, radio transmissions or whatever it is, like radioactivity, you can see um, that there were, there were opioids, there were like remnants of cannabis, there were rep- like remnants of like, um, like scopolamines. Um, many different types of psychoactive substances that would be in the bottoms of these vases. And so like throughout his studies, Brian's studies, um, he, you know, came to determine that there were many different plants and medicines that were used in, in the terminology of the Kukian or ancient Soma that were mm-hmm. very reminiscent of these spiritual practices that, that, um, that guide us into our divinity, that re- guide us back into this remembering and like specifically the, like the mysteries of Eleusis. I mean, this is where, um, like Marcus Aurelius you know, found it, found and initially had his experiences where he wrote meditations, mm. right? Some of these like ancient, yep. ancient poems. And fast forward until like the modern day mm-hmm. when the PCR machine mm-hmm. that replicates DNA came from an LSD experience, yep. someone driving along the coastal highway in California. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like the, the, the connections in consciousness, I mean, they would, they would say that, um, from from what I've read, like the raw material and some of these other some of these other t- t- teachings and writings and things, but uh, that that was delivered from um, like a multi dimensional consciousness into that person's being you from just, having that you, openness. All you got to do is um, fold space and time on itself, and you can reach in there and grab the brilliant ideas from well <laughs> wherever past wherever or future don't matter anymore. Nikola Tesla said it. Yeah, he said it. So, Dimitri, what what do you do on a day to day basis to treat your God amnesia? God amnesia. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I meditate, right? Like uh, meditation is probably one of the most uh, important acts that anybody could ever do. What is your meditation practice like? Uh, I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it changes momentarily. Um, it is always present. Um, there's not really a moment where I'm not meditating. Mm. Um, it's become ceremony. It's become life. Um, the act the very physical act of sitting down and like going into Lotus position is something that I do frequently. Um, it's not something that happens like every single day or in a set schedule, although I would probably benefit a tremendous amount if I did do that. Mm. Um, but my daily meditation, um, you know, typically occurs in the very early morning hours when I wake up. Um, oftentimes when I'm still laying in bed, um, and I consciously am recollecting who I am. Like I can feel the energies enter into my consciousness before I'm even like fully awake. Um, and you're not saying to yourself, I am God. Hey, Hey, remember you're God. No, it's it's like, (laughs) it's like, um, it's a feeling, it's a resonance, um, of self, uh, that I would say, I mean, it can change, but typically when I, when I go and I seek inward for that, it's, it's there and it's present and it's a, it's a very strong presence of, of self. It's like tuning an instrument. I, Absolutely. I, I played the cello in, in high yeah. school and, and I would be, I would tune the cello by playing one string with another. And then when they harmonize mm-hmm. correctly, I know it's in tune. They're synchronizing. Yeah. I would, I, I actually love that you brought that up. Um, the, you know, the concept of understanding the body as an instrument, mm. cause that's what it is. Yeah. Like 100%. Your vehicle for enlightenment. Yeah. And like yeah. the, the cleaner that you eat, the more harmonious that you act in alignment with yourself and your true self, um, the less dissonant you become, the more attuned and aligned you become, and the more uh, able to receive the like the wavelength or the frequency that is you into your being undistorted, right? Like, That's something I can relate to. Like I, I can relate to yeah. the, the way it feels when I am in tune mm-hmm. and the way it feels when I'm with somebody who has a different, whose instrument may be different or is tuned at a different frequency, but we are harmonizing, mm-hmm. right? And it feels yeah. very comfortable and right and we're in flow. And conversely, I know what it feels like to be cacophonous. I know what it feels like to be out of tune and out of sync. Mm-hmm. And I might not be able to like write an essay about it, but I can certainly, I know it mm-hmm. when I see it yeah. or feel it. There's this uh, quote that always stuck with me about you know, that this is our work first to find that harmony in oneself, mm-hmm. that resonance. And then you interbe with your, say, your partner, your loved ones. And then you project that out infinitely into the world. And that's like, that's the psychedelic uh, journey right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like passively radiating in love. And what helps you do that in part is meditation. So tuning the instrument so that you can radiate love. Yeah. I mean, and, and that, that, that process, um, you know, extends into the practices that I've found with hermeticism quite, I mean, that was, I mean, I would say that that is, um, the definition of my practice is understanding the hermetic tradition. And, and, um, there's a, there's a book out there, uh, by Franz Barden, um, I believe it's called the initiation into ancient hermeticism or the hermetics something like that. Um, but there's a lot of really wonderful practices and teachings that, um, when I found that book aligned very deeply with my own internal practice that I had already had, Mm -hmm. like growing up, um, 
I used to, you know, go into the shower and wash the negative energy off my body, right? Like um, clear and cleanse my space. And after I'd get out of the shower, I'd feel a lot better, right? Like mm -hmm. if, I, if I had just gone in an argument with somebody or was dissonant with myself or whatever that looked like. And so um, lots of different practices. I mean, I meditate with the elements. Um, there are different purposes of meditation with each element, um, you know, earth, air, fire, water. Um, in order to assist the self with empowering those elements within myself, um, to assist me with growing, um, like, uh, fortitude, mental fortitude, or, you know, spiritual fortitude and understanding the direction that I'm going in life. And, um, there's a song out there that's always been really touching to me. Like it, uh, goes something like, um, when my trust is without borders, um, like I trust that spirit will guide me or something like that. Mm. Right. And understanding that like when, when we really surrender to the experience that is life, um, that there is a guidance that happens and you start to listen and you start to honor that calling that is every single day. And, um, a lot of people find that as being, you know, their vocation or the work that they do on a daily basis. And that, you know, gives them all the dopamine that they, that they need in the world to continue to go and, and to, you know, be consistent in their world and their reality, but their dharma, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, mine is is very much similar to to creating that balance. And you know, when I connect into uh, the collective or like uh, uh, how to say this, like attune myself to that resonant frequency of the world. Um, oftentimes there's a lot of pain and grief and sadness that I feel that like enters into my body and I, I need to ground that out and transmute that somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, and that looks like breath work that looks like just honoring the emotion as it enters into my space and recognizing that this is part of the work. Um, they may not be my feelings. They may be somebody else's feelings that I'm feeling around me through mm -hmm. transference or whatever, or, um, you know, what I would consider is like really letting go of that, uh, that finite physicality that we recognize as being this illusory self, right? Like mm -hmm. this individualized self and recognizing that there's, there's only one of us here, <laughs> like, but we're experiencing ourselves like each individually subjectively. And sometimes people need help. That's when we can really help is when we dissolve the boundaries. Yeah the illusion of separation between us and we can take on someone's suffering like ancestral or otherwise and help transmute it or get in there with them. Yeah. I mean like, uh, understanding that, you know, trauma and, and generational trauma is, is trans like it, it, it's given to us by our parents and you know, it's, it, it's, um, transitioned or transferred, right? Like, uh, through the epigenome and, and the way that like, um, I would say like the methylation process takes place in our DNA and how, how it, you know, signals activation of an, of an allele and all the things. But, mm -hmm. um, there's, there's so much that can be recognized in that space of understanding that genealogical structure and, and also that interconnectedness that we all share. Mm -hmm. And it becomes it, that like, that becomes the work right? Like that becomes this process of remembrance, um, that like, I mean, that would, that, that is what I would venture to say is like the, the work that Christ was doing, right? It's like helping mm -hmm. each other to remember who you are, 
right? Like that golden rule and then doing unto others as you would do unto yourself. Mm -hmm. Like all of these different pieces. Remember to remember. Yeah. Remember hmm. Simba. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like that well, movie was beautiful. I think so, we covered it. Yeah, we got it. We got it. So Dimitri, if you want to just sort of share what you're up to in the world yeah, with sure. our listeners, and if uh, you want people to reach out to you, you're welcome to share any, any socials or... Sure. Uh, so, I mean, currently, uh, the work that I've been involved with uh, has been um, kind of threefold, uh, you know, personal projects, uh, societal projects, and then uh, nonprofits, I guess I would say, you know, and um, the nonprofit work that I do is focused around decriminalizing plant medicines and theogens. Mm. Um, I'm the executive director of Decriminalized Nature Utah. Um, we are uh, a satellite or part of like a chapter of the national body uh, decriminalized nature organization that has passed um, legislation in, or I guess, yeah, like uh, language in, I think 13 states now. Mm. Uh, and we are yeah, presenting, yeah, it's really wonderful. We're presenting also, I think, uh, statewide legislation um, in, I think like four or five states or something like that this year. Um, and so... Essentially, um, that is the nonprofit look that, that we are doing. And if you're looking to get involved with that, by all means, like you're more like your listeners or listeners are more than welcome to reach out to me um, and my organization at uh, info at decriminalize nature um, or it's actually info at decriminalize dot org. Um, and then um, I guess some of my own personal projects I've uh, been working on like a retreat center down in Columbia. That's a teacher training facility. Um, we are basically uh, designing this space to work with um, clinicians, doctors, um, therapists, um, average people also that desire to come down and initiate themselves with uh, ayahuasca in the traditional sense. Mm -hmm. um, Field trip, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and we work very closely with the Inga people of the Putumayo down in Colombia. Um, and then, um, yeah, just uh, here personally, I'm just... Uh, just doing my best to be a good human, you know, and make change here in here in Utah locally. And uh, I've been working a lot with our, our elected officials and kind of just getting everything aligned for this next year so that we can draft some bills that are going to support both the medical and clinical and mm -hmm. therapeutic sides of, of entheogens and psychedelics, as well as um, that more spiritual, personal, cognitive, liberty-based, uh, community-based ceremony uh, kind of asset within the community to allow people to experience it without, you know, having that red tape of bureaucracy mm -hmm. around their around their waist. Right, right. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, amazing. Thank you for the work you're doing, like the brave work and sharing your wisdom and gifts so freely. It's really touching. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I would just say that um, just so, just so your listeners are aware, if they if they are interested in any of my services or anything like that, personally, I do do coaching and all those things. Also, like um, that is part of my consulting practice. That is Raw Dimension. Uh, Raw Dimension is just like a wellness consulting agency that I've had out there for the last you know five or six years, and and help people kind of get into this world of understanding plant medicines, of understanding themselves and the meditation space and um, yoga and all these other things. Awesome. So, Ra is in the Egyptian god, not is in the Ra, un it, uncooked it's, meat. It's, well, it's, it is it is R-A-W. Oh, okay. uh, and I was kind of positioned as being like, come into like the raw dimension where everything is real and authentic. Oh, cool. Uh, like yeah, uh, but also definitely has that that very Egyptian raw vibe also mm -hmm. with it. Because Double I, entendre. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Absolutely. Thank, thank you. both of you guys. Thank you, dear listener, for listening. It means a lot to me. 
Psychedelic Therapy Frontiers is brought to you by Novamind, a mental health company that specializes in psychedelic medicine and research. You can learn more about Novamind's mission to increase access to legal, safe, and evidence-based psychedelic medicine at novamind.ca. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're using to listen or watch. Also, if you're feeling generous today, please leave us a glowing review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. If you'd like to reach out to us with questions, suggestions, scathing criticisms, etc., please email us at psychfrontiers at novamind.ca. Thanks again. Hey listeners, it's Steve Thayer here, letting you know that Numinous offers unique training opportunities for mental health practitioners to develop their skills and expertise in offering psychedelic-assisted therapy to clients. These courses are carefully crafted by numinous professionals like myself, Reed, Joe, and others, and offer a variety of high-quality learning experiences. So if you would like to learn more about these trainings, you can find the link in the show notes below, or you can visit numinous.com forward slash training. That's numinous.com forward slash training. The content of this podcast does not constitute medical advice or mental health treatment. Consult with a medical or mental health professional if you believe you are in need of mental health treatment.